Welcome back, everyone, uh, to Kafaru Cast. Uh, it's me and Frank again, and we've got a super cool guest. Uh, don't let the man bun fool you. He's a killer, Aaron Hitchens. Hey, <laughs> Aaron with Rockhouse Motion. The man bun is actually gone. I don't. Yeah, I don't sweet see him baby Jesus, he cut it off. He's got the Canadian mullet going now. it's not a mullet (laughs) I've had my days with a mullet and I am very proud of them it's a great hairstyle when did you cut that thing off? Uh, like a week ago oh gotcha so just kidding about the man bun (laughs) oh lord but uh, Aaron works with Rockhouse Motion which I'm not even sure everything you guys do other than I know you work with us and we don't use your photos as we just discussed as much as we should Uh, but what, what all you got going on right now? Uh, tons of stuff, you know, for us, the, we try and do as much work as we can in the spring so that we can hunt as much as we can in the fall. But, uh, we're working on some fun stuff with Cabela's, uh, with Zeiss. We have, um, potentially some stuff coming up with Columbia if all goes well. And we just finished a really, uh, an exciting anthem piece for Orvis around their new fly rod, which we're really stoked about. That's one of our, one of our favorite pieces that we were able to, uh, to put together. And you do the production, uh, like, video stuff for them so people kind of know what you're doing. You guys uh, do some pretty epic uh, cinematography. So you guys are doing, like, commercials with them, or what is it? Yeah, it's a blend. So the way that we look at it kind of overall is we just do content. You know, that's a it's a bit of a buzzword, but everything from photos to longer form films. You know, we've made some longer longer hunting films beyond the roar. Game of Inches, we did a fly fishing film called The Forgotten Atoll, Deliberate Life, some stuff like that that people are probably more familiar with. And then we'll do some short films that you'll see kind of the branded web stuff. And then we do a lot of advertising. So a lot of the stuff that you'll see uh, online or in the Outdoor Channel, yeah, and a lot of the stuff actually now is starting to get to national media buys. I, I saw a Cabela's commercial on Thursday Night Football. That was pretty cool. And I don't watch very much TV, so maybe it's on there all the time and that's not that big of a deal. But <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of the ads and stuff that you see is is our work. You guys have done some stuff with some gun companies, right? Yeah, Weatherby. Like Weatherby, yeah, because I remember when we started working with, with Rock House, you sent us the, the Weatherby thing and that was that was pretty badass. Yeah, and you guys do some stuff with Sitka too as well. Or, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Sitka. We, you know, with... Uh, we don't have a specific project coming up with those guys, but we try and develop lasting relationships with companies that we... You know whose stuff we want to use really. We've worked with Yeti before as well yeah. too, right? Yeah, yeah, we're working on some stuff. We got some stuff going with Yeti um, and Matthews as well. Uh, Beretta. You know, we're just trying to. We're really lucky because we get to work with the brands that we believe in and the stuff that we want to use when we're out in the field. So if they need photos or a story told, it's not a departure for us to, you know, from what we want to do to use the gear. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, who all, well, I know your wife, Logan. Um, <laughs> wife, she's going to like that one. Yeah, girlfriend. <laughs> uh, and then who, you got Matt and then Dusty. Yeah. And uh, I'm missing one. Colin. Colin, okay, yeah. And we actually have a, another one that people don't know because he lives up in Nova Scotia in Canada and surfs all the time, but his name's William. He does all our 3D graphic animation stuff, and he's an absolute fucking wizard. He'll, you know, it's one thing for us to to see something and photograph or film it or whatever, but that dude starts with a blank computer screen and can literally build anything. So he's a incredibly valuable part of the team. No, it's that's cool. I just remember Logan um, at uh, the ATA show. She's yeah, she's funny. She makes me laugh. Um, I think she messaged me when I said I had Raynaud's 
uh, cold hands. And I think there were some MFers flying back at you that it was actually a real thing. Um, Cause she debatable. She got, she gutted it out on an elk hunt. She got super cold on an, an elk hunt, I think is what she was telling me, but she, she got an elk this year, right? On her own. Yeah. Yeah. We were, uh, we were together, but she shot her an archery bull actually. So we hunted, we were in the tent for 18 days and, uh, yeah, she gutted it out. It was nasty too. It got really cold at the start of the September in Alberta this year. So uh, that's really bad news for Logan because she freezes. So it was good. Uh, it was good for her to to get out, and she gutted it out all season last year, start of September to the end of November, hunting elk and deer, and wasn't successful. And she wouldn't take no for an answer. So this year she made it happen. No, that's good. Well, we were talking earlier. I think something we should probably cover. Um, we were talking about conservation and. Uh, the um kind of some of the different uh ways to look at conservation different ways to uh convert people over and and in the word conservation is it's kind of the niche thing to talk about now or the niche thing to stand behind i don't mean that in a negative way but um talking about it and, and doing something are totally different things and and i how this kind of conversation so people understand is actually uh a, a good friend of yours and a, and a guy I consider a friend who I think is a super cool dude. Um, can I bring up? Yeah. Yeah. I, he was, he worked with outdoor life. He's one of the coolest guys there and uh, he got let go recently and I was super pissed about it. And, uh, I sent him a message and just said, Hey, for being the, one of the only good guys at outdoor life, I cannot believe they let you go. And, um, I never really knew if Andrew liked me or not to, to, to be totally honest. And, and, uh, and then you told me you guys actually just talked about me last night, um, at, at which probably I don't know that that was a good thing, but <laughs> <laughs> they uh, the the way that um, I guess how did you put it? I am I'm not very reverent. Well, the, well, yeah, not a, not as reverent, but we we agreed that the way that we could tell if we ever got you know too far away from being ourselves or if we started being full of shit is that. Snyder wouldn't be our friends anymore. So <laughs> there's, a, it's a good metric. It's like, yeah, the, the, uh, the, the Snyder test. If he still talks to you, you're not that big of an asshole yet. <laughs> well, and I'm sure, and I, as, uh, as I said, I'm not overly easy to deal with um, either. But I definitely am, am blunt. And one of the things too is kind of the, the different ways you can go about. Because um, Frank is is just as bad as I am with not being overly reverent would you agree with that frank yeah probably <laughs> so but we do our own thing and we we certainly whether it be we're at an archery range helping a kid right that just gets started kind of explain how life is we're at rei and uh someone has questions about hunting or photography we talk about that a lot um or just your appearance when you have a giant platform of of conservation or of animal habitat or or whatever. It could be like we were talking about sheep counts, going out and doing sheep, mountain goat counts, feeding wildlife on bad winters. I mean, anything you can do, I kind of lump it all into one for conservation. Anything you can do that's helping um, the habitat and the animals is is part of conservation. Um, you know, but the not to crisscross things here, what happened with Andrew has pretty much secured me into never supporting outdoor life again. I'm not, those are your words, not mine. No, no. <laughs> and those are totally my words. In fact, we argued about this earlier. I just could not believe that they had let him go. And I, you work with outdoor life. Yeah. Yeah. And and so go ahead, throw your sales pitch on for outdoor no, life. No, I think, I think that the thing about outdoor life is 
it's uh you know at least it then we haven't seen really what it looks like in the post mckean world but yeah. with their gear tests you know they're not bought and paid for they're legitimate authentic tests and uh, I come at this from a place of bias because I'm actually on the cover this month, <laughs> and it's a great magazine. And uh, <laughs> the issue <laughs> is uh, this specific issue. I think is super valuable, and I think that it was really interesting that they made the feature that they wrote this month, and that that Andrew sort of led the charge on. It's called "Making a Hunter," and as Snyder talks about conservation and all of the stuff that goes into that. You know, we're kind of at this place in the in the hunting and I guess by extension fishing space where participation is really starting to drop off. And, you know, selfishly you think, oh, there might not be somebody in my favorite spot or I'm going to have the river to myself <clears throat> or whichever. But I think that people need to start looking at themselves in the mirror pretty hard and understanding that what we have and what we love as far as a, a community, you know, the products that we're able to purchase at an affordable price, the habitat that's being protected, the dollars that are going into that, democratic power that we have as a mass is legitimately at risk. You know, the numbers there, I, I get them wrong every time, but we've lost like 2.2 million hunters since 2016 or something, and then it's down... It's down from 18 to 11 from, I don't know, a decade before that. Again, get the magazine, check out the cover model and read the actual <laughs> stats. But the point is people aren't going. And there's a lot of pat on the back stuff that people do. You know, you go out and you get, you take 30 kids and you go on a youth hunt and that's great. But the numbers show that it doesn't really help. Kids can't go on their own. They can't afford to start. They, uh... You know, they don't have the resources to get into it. But then, so the, what it really comes down to is mentorship. It's people like us and hopefully like the people listening, finding someone that they, you know, that has an interest, creating that interest and then teaching them how to do it. And if all of us do that one time, it completely solves the problem. It's just that we need to shift our focus as a space instead of looking at individual accolades to celebrating the people that, you know, elevate hunting as a whole and then beyond that from a broader perception, pick a person every year, show them how to do it. Yeah. And I, I actually recently talked to a wildlife biologist, uh, well, he's a game warden, um, by happenstance when I was on a mule deer hunt and, uh, he, what they're trying to do is take families that, uh, and do the full picture where they, they get their hunter safety, but they also, they go out on trips, we're trying to do with a full conversion and showing them, um, in a program, uh, how it works, basically the whole, how, you know, to get it from beginning to end because, and he was running the numbers of how many people are moving into Colorado that aren't Coloradans, that aren't hunters. It, it was astounding, right? It was in a horrible way, like not, not in a good way because that, you know, you're, you're bringing in, you know, a lot of these people aren't hunters that are coming into Colorado and how to, to convert or, or, or at least, maybe not convert or at least uh, instruct or teach um, that we're not just driving around in a truck shooting shit out of the side of the window. Um, I think that backpack hunting does that, in my opinion, better than anything because it shows a discipline, it shows a fitness, it shows a respect. Um, and, you know, those things are easy uh, to translate over, meaning if you have a common bond and let's say fitness in the gym, Okay, then you've started with a place of common ground. And once that common ground's established, maybe, just maybe, he's going to respect you or she's going to respect you enough as you start to talk about hunting that we're like, oh, well, he was a cool guy before. 
you know, let's listen to what he's got to say. And you do that one by one by one. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you, you can't, you know, you got to eat, eat an elephant one bite at a time, but, uh, anything we can do to help is great. And sometimes what I see, and I, and, and I don't mean anything negative by this, if you're talking about conservation to hunters, it's not doing as much as it, you need it to do because you need to talk to people that don't give a shit about hunting. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? And, so, it, and it really, like the numbers show that like you just have to actually teach people how to do it. So you take someone that doesn't do it, persuade them to your point, and then follow through and say, you know, this is how, this is how you're going to succeed. This is how, what you do. You know, this is how you kill something. This is what you do after you kill it. And, you know, taking the time to actually show people that start to finish so that they can go out and do it on their own. Because it's a pretty complicated thing that a lot of us come by because our, you know, our dads taught us or, or, you know, that's probably obviously the main one, but we all, when you think about it, all of us have a mentor, but it is a complicated thing. You know, if you're somebody that's never done it before, and you get hunter safety, it's like, sweet, now what, you know, where do I go? Where do I shoot? How do I, you know, it's challenging enough. I struggle enough to get something tipped over. I can't imagine, you know, what it's like at ground zero and never having done it before. Well, even like, uh, let's read two totally different age brackets. My soon to be mother-in-law who's 67, is that something? Putting her, you're, yeah, she, she's not going to be happy with her age out on the internet. Right, exactly. <laughs> Never she's ask so, a woman her name, but just tell her, uh, tell everybody how old she is on a podcast. I don't think she listens anyway. Um, <laughs> so totally hated hunting and did not like anything I did. And, but she loved my photography. So she'd like photos and skip the hunting ones, you know? And uh, then you've got my daughter who's 17, right? And, and uh, living in Texas, we get, I got partial custody who has hunted or, or, or been around hunting, but has never went hunting with me in the sense she shot a bow with me. She's seen me shoot. We went prairie dogs and everything else, but hasn't went big game hunting. Um, on my, my soon-to-be mother-in-law side of things, uh, she eats meat, right? So I'm like, so I just explained to her how the circle of life works. I'm like, that shit didn't die of old age. Um, it, it died. I think you killed it with your paycheck. Right. And, uh, the mercenary behind it was the butcher. I just skipped all the middleman shit and I did it myself. And it kind of explained, I didn't explain it like that, but explained it. And then now she took, stole a bunch of meat from me yesterday when I drove down to Arizona. You want to talk about a complete role reversal? Like, I mean, you've had, Frank's had to deal with it. Um, not deal with it, but Frank sees how she, she is basically on the, the hunting side of things. You know, we've got dead animal photos. There's a moose laying in the yard, right? I mean, there's weapons everywhere, arrows and three deep freezers full. And she's just like, ooh, when she's walking in and then now she's stealing my moose meat. That's pretty, I mean, that's a game changer in a lot of ways because that was the last woman I thought that would ever respect hunting. But she looked at hunting before living in Florida quite a bit where they're driving around and just kind of shooting animals and, and hanging them up in the garage and not really understanding the total process. You take somebody like my daughter, she's totally into it, but it's amazing how many people she gets into hunting. When I say gets into hunting because of my Instagram page, she's in a school in San Antonio that is in a different, you know, if you're in the hill country, they're hunting, right? It's different. Um, but a lot of those kids, her friends are seeing it. And she's told me they asked their parents, they talked to their parents about it. Their parents have talked to me about it, trying to understand it. Where if I 
if it was constant blood and guts, nothing, you know, talk about reverend. I mean, my photos do much better than my words as far as some of that stuff. And they see more of an artistic side or the, the epic nature of it. It does a hell of a lot better job. And that's, those are good ways to, you know, even if you're, I mean, trying to get it to people that you wouldn't normally think about is what I guess what I'm getting at. Like my mother-in-law is never going to hunt. But it certainly doesn't bother me that she's not anti-hunting anymore either, right? So it comes down to a vote. She's got the legal right to vote. Mm-hmm. And if she doesn't like hunting, she's going to vote against it, where now she's not. And her friends won't because she's explained it to them too. And, you know, slow and steady wins the race. I mean, do everything we can. But uh, that was a little bit of a tangent there. But just certain ways of things that uh, how, how shit works, I guess, or, or how life can work in general, spreading the word. got to change the perception of what people think hunting is, I guess. So I think a lot of people have that view. It's just like you're saying, people in Florida driving around, drinking a beer and shooting shit out the window. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or Kansas, which does happen actually. <laughs> For the, on behalf of my, the Kansas half of my business, not everybody in Kansas does that. <laughs> I, yeah, that's funny. Uh, Lord, no, I, uh, no, not everybody in Kansas does, but it certainly does happen. Um, I think though with, uh, with that, again, the perception, um, the, the gym is, I mean, as much as I poke fun at CrossFit, the whole paleo, it's, it certainly hasn't hurt, right? Because, I mean, it, it I've had CrossFitters that have never hunted a day in their life, but somebody in the CrossFit gym does. They've never talked to them, so they ask me about it. Hey, you're a hunter, right? The lean the lean protein part of it, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm like, yeah, you could do it. And they're like, well, totally like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you just go buy a tag, get your hunter safety, learn how to, you know, it's you, you're bringing home your own meat. And it's the way you and I were raised, or you and I were raised, it was natural. It was birth, you hunt. Where with them, they're like, holy shit, I'm going to have a weapon and take a life? How does that work? Well, it's interesting to people not, you know, from the lean protein and also just kind of the locavore idea. We live in a, you know, pretty progressive community of people that are concerned about sustainability and I mean, the amount of interest in good quality, local, you know, organic meat, I'm, I'm really surprised by how receptive people have been in the community and it's, it's pretty special. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And where are you at up there exactly? In Canmore. Oh yeah. So not to get off the subject, how often do you run and do you take photos in there much of uh, the sheep? Uh, I don't do it often enough. No. Uh-huh. The kid, now that's gone downhill a bit, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been tough. My buddy drew the tag this year and didn't kill one. And I mean, it's they they pull like thirty some tags, and I think there are only four or five killed this year. Full November season in Alberta, so not the uh, not the nicest weather. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I need to get in there and shoot some photos of those rams. But you were mentioning Darren Epp earlier; he does a pretty darn good job of it. Yeah, no, he he does. Um, there, I'm supposed I'm supposed to be in uh, down in Mexico with Darren, and I. Who were so busy, I had to bounce on him. Um, he's got John Luton with him, so he's in good company. He doesn't yeah. need me. Um, but uh, I was going to go out and photograph the whole thing with him. But uh, is he hunting? Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. he's got a tag. Um, you know, and I mean, Darren's a, a prime example. Let's say you take the hunting side out of Darren. You can put Darren in any photography spectrum, and the guy's going to come out very well respected. Throw in the hunting side of things, at least that is a person that can speak intelligently about hunting. And again, that common, that initial common bond of photography may be what kicks it off to where even if the people don't hunt, if you convert them to from maybe midpoint or anti to pro, 
even if they don't ever go hunting, is a victory as well. Because some people just don't have it in them. They just don't want to hunt. My thing with even those people is letting them understand that it's not a bad thing, what you get out of it. Um, so when a vote comes down the pipe, they're not voting against us. Yeah, I think that the, the what happened in British Columbia with the grizzly bears is pretty pretty telling as far as, you know, it seems like that vote is on a very, very distant horizon if it exists at all. But, you know, BC learned the hard way that, you know, things are things are there to be taken. So we need to be pretty conscious of Some that. Some things are on the distant horizon. Other things have already been taken away. A vote went down here for bait, spring baiting and running dogs for bears. That happened 15 years ago. We lost our ass. Um, we lost. Yeah. So that those are the kind of votes little by little. Like maybe hunting is on the distance, but there could be parts and pieces, shorter seasons, right? Different yeah. areas. Well, and I mean, ask yourself, do in the place that you live, the state or province, because my, you know, got to include the homies in the north. <laughs> but, uh, you know, how do more than half the people that live there support hunting? Yeah. The answer is no, everywhere. Yeah, I mean, you're right. So, like, if it ever goes to a straight democracy, we're hosed. So, you know, that's where, that's where the, you know, we really need to put the work in. One, from a perception standpoint, but then, you know, take people, teach them, and actually can, you know, if you can convert someone to do it, there is no greater feeling than whenever you get that phone call from a buddy and, like, that you taught. Like, my buddy, my friend in Beyond the Roar, Will, Mm-hmm. up there that was his first moose when he called me and he shot his second on his own he's up in the yukon doing his thing best feeling in the world you know knowing that he's taking the time to do it and he's invested you know and then he teaches his brother and then you start to get this little tree of people that are out there and and doing it because of something that you did a while it's a, it's a fucking incredible feeling yeah and it, there is some sacrifice involved um you know we talked about that earlier sometimes you got to Put down the gun yourself and Hell yeah. take somebody, you know. I mean, you, and that's not easy for especially people getting into it. And I don't totally understand that. But uh, sometimes and, and I, not 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 trying to be an argue, I, I guess just try not to be a dick. Sometimes I do see. Um, I feel like you spent a lot of time trying not to be a dick. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, you look at a, a guy pumping money into a, a TV show or pumping money and there's nothing wrong with that pumping, pumping money into certain things. And sometimes I'm like, man, would it be better with all that knowledge you have in your brain to put money into maybe you not killing, but you instructing and, and converting people over. And when I say try not to be a dick, that's easy for me to say, right? I mean, that guy may be feeding his family with the show. Probably not because TV hunting TV shows aren't exactly a moneymaker, but yeah. meaning like, um, as time goes on and the rubber meets the road of of uh, of, of conversion, getting people into it, um, some people may have to take a step back and uh, may not get this Insta Google tweet face glory that they they might want or need. But the thing is, is it's up to us as the audience to give people the Insta Google face tweet glory, as I believe you put it. Insta Google tweet face. <laughs> <laughs> but we're like, it's it's up to us as an audience to whenever somebody helps somebody else succeed. And you know that they're sacrificing something on their own for somebody else's success, you know, you should respect that more. Like those inches of antlers are going to be forgotten, but the legacy you leave with somebody else, that's what's going to stick. So, you know, they, they're not going to get the glory in the harvest photo, perhaps, but I mean, it's, it's not, it's not just a, it, it falls on the audience too to recognize and celebrate people that are that are making that sacrifice. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I've just that's been you on the, fuckers. Yeah, I've been on the other <laughs> end of the spectrum helping people and have gotten criticized pretty heavily about oh, 
you know, he, he only did this or he did that. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I, I, I took 15 people out this year trying to help them. And for me, I get as much out of taking photos of a, of a trip as I do uh, hunting. I like taking pictures. Um, so for me, you know, that's, that's fun too, because I mean, obviously then they also have the memories to, to show people, uh, you know, what happened, how they did it, especially beginning to end. But I think that, uh, you know, at some point in time, um, it, it may come down to that where a lot of the more well-known hunters may need to take a back seat. They've had their time not to stop hunting, but certainly start putting a lot more effort maybe into, um, you know, getting other people into the sport and helping them become more successful. So that kind of, you know, passes on. Cause like you said, it's hard enough to tip one over to begin with, do it as your green. Um, you know, I learned that with the stick bow, I'm not being a green hunter, but green with the weapon pretty hard. I can only imagine how it would be for somebody coming into it, never hunted at all. Um, and just not, no, I'm Fred Baum. I mean, we bring up Fred all the time. Big wall climber, buddy of ours. Straight came in, shot a 203, I think his first mule deer was. What? He's harder than woodpecker lips, right? Backpacked way in. He was a backpacker though, right? So he knew the, he knew field craft. Yeah, so. I got some buddies that I think like if you ever were to decide to do this, like I got a buddy, his name's Phil Widmer and he skied like old, he, he ski toured, like ski mountaineered. From Lake Louise to Banff, which doesn't, or not Lake Louise to Banff, to from uh, fucking Jasper to Banff, it's called the Great Divide Traverse or something. Anyways, long story short, twenty-one days on skis over the mountains and glaciers with one food drop or two food drops, hard as fuck. And it's like he's having fun doing that, and he's not even chasing anything; he's just doing the exercise. It's like you take these dudes and you, and then you like weaponize them, where it's like, hey. Here's an actual purpose. Like you're not just out burning calories and like soaking up nature. You're actually like there's a goal now. If you take that level of determination or that level of comfort in the uncomfortable and then you add in the potential to to actually accomplish something, that's a dangerous that's a dangerous man right there. Yeah. Well, and I get a lot of my advice on gear and, and certain things or not a lot, but uh now, but before from mountaineering stores. I oh, mean yeah. guys that climbed Everest or climbed whatever and uh because, I mean, they're much better at it than, than I am. And, I mean, if you want to feel like a – I'm not supposed to say the P word. If you want to feel like a weenie, <laughs> go to Colorado in the middle of a wilderness and ha- watch nine chicks run by uh, um, eight miles in. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I mean, it happens. I mean, have you had that happen much here? I've seen some I've seen some pretty hardcore chicks on the on the trail. I was in the, the uh, four-pass loop and the bells – going to scout for mule deer and uh, had like nine or 11 women run by in camelbacks doing it in a day. That's 40 miles running the four, four, four. I think the passes are all at 13,000 feet or 12. Uh, they ran it all in a day and they were like giddy as could be. And I'm like, I felt like a man a minute ago. I don't now. Like you just crushed it. And they got like a sandwich and a smile running by me. Sandwich and a smile. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and the thing is too, is, you know, when you're doing that, if you're running or, you know, skiing like Phil is like, you know, weight really starts to matter. Like you think weight matters in your pack when you're hiking around and you got a bow and a gun or whatever. Like think about whenever you're skiing up a mountain, like, you know, there's nothing, nothing wasted. So those guys are have their gear pretty dialed too. And it's obvious that's the case because that's where we started to move as a, you know, as an industry. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's where you look at like, um, 
like, like Sitka, that's where they, you know, ca- kind of copied or not. Yeah, I mean, copied mountaineering clothing and made it camouflage, you know, put camo pattern on it. Um, well, it's inspired some of it now. I've seen some stuff that Arcteryx is doing that I, I promise was sick at first. That's cool. Yeah, no. And I, I and I mean, I hate to say it. I mean, our, our packs, I know there's we're getting copied from in on the other end of the spectrum, you know, and, and which or copied, whatever you want to call it. Some of the ideas, you know, went to, to other companies, which it, it is what it is, but it, it, it definitely is more known now on the, cause backpack hunting has got so big and you've got some pretty well-known names in the spotlight for backpack hunting that are also seen in the fitness side of things where people are taking a look at it, you know, as far as, um, um, but who's a good example? Like Cam would, would be an example with his running, uh, where people that normally probably would never have looked at hunting, you know, might look at it now, um, you know, which is cool. And then there's obviously celebrities that are, that are hunters that, who's the guy in Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, <laughs> yeah, funnier than hell. I've seen multiple species he's done on hunting that certainly I don't think is hurting, you know what I mean? Cause he's a big, big hunter. So it, it, it's interesting with the, uh, the industry in general, um, how things are, have even in the last 10 years or more have changed. Like obviously for me, I, you know, cell phones when I was 23, 24, they were just getting thought of. Right. So, and then you get to print was the big thing, right? Print was the only thing. And then, uh, you had the internet where you could Google, right. And then, and then Facebook popped up and the world changed. Um, I, in, in my opinion, and the world changed the, the uh, well think this is the history of technology by Aaron Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, and I say the world changed, uh, well, the world changed the f- forums, Facebook and Instagram, I believe altered the hunting industry, probably the greatest, whether it's good or bad that altered the hunting industry. As much as the rangefinder, <laughs> as much as anything else. I mean, where else can you become an expert in less than a month with a good memory and a computer? You may not be an expert, but where else can you actually yeah. kind of sound like one? Be, I mean, you can, you, I mean, we see it every day. You can become a, I mean, this has nothing to do with conservation, but we're going to talk about everything today. Um, <laughs> conservation. Yeah. The history of technology. <laughs> well, where else can you, what used to take 400 different outdoor life magazines and some Eastman's bow hunting. You read them all. Read them, read, 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 read. Talk to buddies, whatever, where now, oh, I'm on Elk Addicts. I'm on, is it September yet? Let me hop on Rock Slide. Oh, I'm going to hop on Aaron's Instagram page. Look at some tarps. I'm going to hop Frank's now. Oh, I'm a predator hunter. I'm going to hop on Hitchens. Oh, man, he does great films. Oh, I'll just copy what he said here. Pretty soon you know everything. And you didn't step one day into the field. And that's kind of what it's come to with not everyone, obviously, but a lot of ways. um, It's changed the game a bit. Um, Well, and it's interesting that when you bring that up, it actually is kind of a resource as far as, you know, how do you get people? How do you teach them? Well, you know, it's out there for them to learn. Yeah. Oh, and it is a heavily. Well, not. Yeah, I don't know. Heavily. You talk shit about it and you like it. Right. You got it. It's all in one. And. It is a great way because I use Instagram not not to sell backpacks, to show our story, to show everything. Um, and I would say social media is probably a bit better than maybe forums because you get, you know, there's a lot of BS that goes on on forums. But I don't know how many different photography photographers that follow my page. It's a bunch that have nothing to do with hunting that I get some pretty fucking weird tech messages through um, about did you kill that? Did you just take the horns, right? Yeah. Did you eat it? What's it taste like? Have you ever eaten marmot? I mean, just crazy stuff where I'm like, 
yeah, I mean, I've eaten marmot, but there's a lot of them. So they kind of be, need to be thinned out or they become a bit of a problem. You get the bubonic plague or whatever. Like, you know, <laughs> they had that here. That's, uh, yeah, the eastern Colorado. The, the bubonic plague. Um, prairie dogs and shit. Prairie dogs, Man, yeah. It's a bad day to be a prairie dog. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I think every day is probably a bad day to be a prairie dog, but that was a worse one. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But it's like, uh, I mean, it is, it's good and bad. And, and I, I guess what I was saying earlier wasn't necessarily saying a negative thing, but the learning curve or how we learned, is, is it how people learn now? I don't think so. Um, I mean, did, did you learn on how to debone an elk from YouTube? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, you do now. I mean, you know how many different videos I've done on packing out debone meat, deboning and emails to people on how to do it. Well, you know, I learned it. I fucked it up a bunch until I yeah. figured it out. You know what I mean? Well, I remember so, the first moose we worked on the Yukon. It was just like, it's just so big, you know? I think that's that. Oh, that's that's that, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, it was, uh, it, and especially when you're in a situation like that, you, but the thing is you just figure it out. Yeah. You know that it's it's done right when there's a skeleton left. You and figure it you out. And you take the meat away and, <laughs> you, you know, you trim it up. But, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty powerful resource being like, hey, you know, and seeing the different approaches to it. Yeah. Well, and I think that's where some of the, some, you know, cause you've got, you got haters and you got, you got everybody on it. And I think where, you know, cause I, I try to stay in the middle and stay, you know, above the fray on all of it and just listen to all, you got hate pages that, you know, then you got basically just straight up. Um, I love myself selfie pages. You got every page known to man. And I think where it, it comes, I think some of the old timers get pissed cause they didn't have that. And uh, they didn't get the instant gratification. They didn't get, you know, whatever. And, I mean, Frank and I are kind of in the middle, right, where we use that as a marketing tool. We use that as a way to kind of show off our trips. And we love people to comment on it, ask questions, whether it be about boots, packs, or or shelters. Um, But then I've also seen Frank as well as myself screaming at the computer because of some shitty comments that are made on Facebook that totally don't make sense. And it's like... It's a good thing, but it's also sometimes, you know, keeping it in check is, is another thing well, as well. People do weird stuff on the internet. That's a, it, you know, you, the thing that always gets me is people complaining about price of stuff. So, you know, you introduce a new product, new new pack, right? Or sick introduces a new jacket or something or a new whatever. It's like, well, that's expensive. It's like, yes, it is. Like our goal here is to make the best thing. Yeah. And we're going to try and, and make it at a point where... You know, you can people can afford to buy it and use it. It's not completely outrageous, but we understand that it's not going to be cheap because it's not cheap. Like we're making the best stuff. Yeah. In our work, it's the same way. It's you know, I'm I understand that this is this costs quite a bit of money, but you know, I don't understand people that follow something, that look at something, that want it, understand they can't afford it, and then blame that on the people that make it. That's got to just wear you down, man. I've become desensitized to it. Is it? Eh. I'm not too worried about the the people complaining about price stuff because I feel the same way. But the, yeah. the stuff that drives me nuts is you get some sort of quote unquote internet expert online, and they'll say you know whatever whatever we're making is is crap compared to X Y and Z company, and then you you look at their profile and it's either private or it's some guy that that doesn't get into the field, and you're like, dude, I guess everybody has their opinion, but it's like you got to take it with a grain of salt, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, that specific guy I think Frank's talking about, I actually got to talk to him on the phone. Um, turns out he was totally full of shit, but whatever. Um, the, uh, <laughs> we, 
What a we, podcast. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we call it like we see it. So in that the truth, this, like a that specific case, um, it was just a guy basically blasting, you know, hey, your your packs were tested by the the military and, and the, the Kafaru failed when we had just signed the contract two months before winning the contract. He said we'd fail a, a huge contract for durability. Congrats. So he's well, what? <laughs> it, well, and we're not like other companies where immediately when we won that, we posted it on Instagram to say we're the best or, hey, look, the Navy SEALs are using our stuff. Uh, we won that contract. That's it. Well, then this guy's saying we, we we just got crushed. Our frames fell apart and whatever. And uh, I, I just sent him a message and said, hey, dude, I just want you to let you know um, I was involved in that. I saw the results and we won that contract. And in, unless you really want me to go ham on you. You might want to, you know, maybe um, have some rebuttal statements on that because uh, we won the contract. So you got to do the old, we have 333 million reasons to disagree (laughs) with your assessment. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So maybe not that big of a contract, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, um, what what, what we see is, for example, let's say, um, I don't know, let's say that big deer that you guys just killed. uh, Two two big deer. Dustin and Scott, what I didn't you, kill him. What if you say, uh, Dustin and Scott, what if somebody gets on a social media page and says, well, They're high fence. Got a lot of that. Well, okay. Well, that was what I was leading up to because I about crushed a guy because I was like, really? That's all you got to say? You can't say good job? You can't say? I shot the guy a private <laughs> message and he's like, well, you're friends with him. And I said, well, I'm friends with Hitchens and Logan. I said, I, don't even, I couldn't pick the other two guys out in the lineup. I said, one sends me photos every couple months. I'm like, I don't know what he, who he is. And I'm like, but why is it when someone does something good that you sh- the first thing for some people is to shit on their achievements? And that makes me, yeah, I want to beat the fuck out of somebody. <laughs> it's like, why can't you be happy for someone's, whether it's a doe a 230 inch deer. Um, and, and I mean, and there's other things too, where, uh, you know, we look at like I, a guy comes from back East, heads out, just shoots a raghorn. The guy posts, he's super pumped up. He's motivated uh, that he killed it. He's excited. I mean, he's, he's done what most people consider their dream, right? He's come from Absolutely. back East. And for me, I've, I get like a little mountain wood, right? I'm like, that's fucking awesome. He did it on a backpack hunt. His feet fell off, right? He did everything. And then you get some fucking asshole that gets on there. It was like, I would have never shot that. That's a small bull. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know what I would do? How was it growing up in Vail? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no yeah. kidding. I just, it just, that irritates me, you know? And, and uh, you know, I had one guy specifically that um, he deleted his photo because he, he shot a spike. And, uh he deleted it and I got on there and I said, dude, put it back on. And believe me, if anyone says anything, I'll be right behind you. And he was like, are you sure? I'm like, dude, I'll still shoot spikes. I don't give a shit. I'm like, it's all relative to where you're hunting. You can't shoot 400 inch bulls when they don't live there. Okay. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's for me welcoming people's achievements, um, and, and encouraging them, um, is a hell of a lot more important than talking down to people. And at the end of the day, nobody loses respect for you whenever you're complimentary of somebody that accomplishes something, whether it's big or small. People lose respect for you when you're not, or you 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 know you dismiss them. And at the end, like there is nothing to be gained by dismissing you know by dismissing somebody else's accomplishment if they feel if they genuinely feel it's an accomplishment and they're genu- genuinely proud of it. You should be too. 
and share that. You know, that's I think that's a pretty important thing. That's a pretty basic human trait that seems to be lacking at large. And, you know, this space is particularly guilty of it. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, I know I've changed my um, thoughts or views on on certain things or, or have tried just because, uh, you know, as, as I've been put in a, a position more and more of the more of a spotlight. Um, I look back and think, man, I remember when, when I was thinking maybe what this guy is sending to me or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, the, the, one of the big things that I have kind of come to, you know, realize no matter, you know, what you do, obviously you're going to have, um, you know, negative and positive, but I think that what the most important is, is if it's a new, someone new or someone relatively new, uh, whether it's a doe, a spike or a giant bull, you need to keep them going because you certainly don't want to get them out of the, the the sport and you don't want them to have a negative idea or, or think that hunting has a negative connotation, you know, when it's brought up. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think too, obviously, um, the, the trophy hunting and the, um, you know, you have, uh, you know, the epic, uh, what are they, trophy country, right? You got, you got the trophy animal, you got conservation, you got ha- wildlife habitat, you know, you've got, um, you know, you're trying to, uh, the QDMA or quality deer management, you got all this different stuff. And in some cases, some people just want to shoot whatever. And, and I don't think there's a problem with that. Other people, especially with private land, they want Q, they're wanting to build the largest animals they can. Then you got other guys that only want to shoot the oldest, most mature species. And that's great too. The, thing, the one thing is all those things are completely valid. The thing that I struggle with personally, the one time that I'll get, I'll get a little bit been out of shape is if somebody makes a statement, I want to shoot X, I want to shoot a deer this big or something this old. And they just like absolutely make it clear, you know, time and again, and then they don't do it. Mm -hmm. And immediately, as soon as they share their success, they're making excuses for it where, you know, that person's out there, they've said, I'm only going to shoot something that's, you know, 160 inches. And then they shoot something that's not. And immediately it's like, well, you know, it was this or that or whatever. And like, there's no room for that. You, if you're going to kill something, be proud of it. If you're not going to, if, if you're going to want to kill something that's not old or big, I love you for it. I'm that person much of the time, but don't go and, and sing a a song and dance about how you have these big wild plans to, you know, to trophy hunt or be selective or whatever and not do it because all that does is it disrespects the animal because you're not following through on a prom, you know, on, on the promise that you made to yourself and it's something you told other people. And you, you know, the second that that person shot it, there was a pang of regret and there's no room for that. If you're going to take a life in my reverend world, anyways, you should, you should fucking mean it. And I'm not, I'm on that one. I, you, you, you could say I'm reverend. I mean, Lander brought it up this year because I shot the wrong deer. You would have never known because he was like, because it wasn't that big of a buck. I mean, it was, I don't know, 160s or something, but the deer that was with it was much bigger. And, um, he was like, did, he's like, did you shot the wrong one? I'm like, ah, I, that's relative, right? I mean, there was a bigger one. <laughs> yeah. and I was like, but I'm happy. And uh, he's like, you know, that's what I love about you. You're never in a bad mood. He's yeah. like, you're just happy. And he, and he made some pinheaded comments. And I'm like, well, dude, we're out here to hunt, right? And I, I'm going to eat this fucker, right? So, I mean, why would I be mad? Now, having said that, if I shot a spike, there would have been some regret. Because I just, with that many big deer well, you in the wouldn't area, have shot a spike. 
Well, I mean, let's say if I just screwed up when oh, I shot, it but just that's, total... there's a diff. I mean, how often do you do you Never. shoot at an animal and accidentally? I know one guy who's one of the best, the best archers I've ever met is the only person I've ever known to do that. He had the the his target buck in his shooting lane shot, and another buck stepped out and ate the arrow for him, Secret Service style. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, he ended up. Uh, that's Brandon Boldra at Smoky Valley Shooting Sports in Kansas. If you're ever in there, ask him that story, and he will hate me for this if he ever finds out I, I said it. But yeah, it's a the, probably the best hunting story you'll ever hear, especially because he's still not over it. Oh, so uh, what what happened with me is they were all bedded in the these uh, cattails. And, I'm trying to figure out which horn belongs to which body that's sticking up. They're all sleeping because they're like they're like like jammed in these cattails and they're safe in there. I'm trying to figure it out and I'm Not like for long. Well, yeah, I'm <laughs> like okay, I think this is the one. And then I shot it and. uh you know, and I've gotten some flack from guys saying that's not good target identification. I'm like, I had the full body. I made, you know, I blew its heart out. I mean, I, I just, when you have two racks that close together, figuring out which body goes to one through cattails, it wasn't that easy. And uh, I was totally happy with the deer. Now, I don't think Lander was happy that I shot the deer I shot, but I was like, woohoo, I was all pumped up. Well, I think that... Um, when people do like with what you're talking about, that's one thing. The other thing that I, I, I see that I don't think you don't need to apologize for an animal. Like when somebody hops on and they're like, well, it's only a spike. You shot it, man. You can no longer, you can no longer apologize. If you're going to apologize, you would have pre-apologized by not pulling the trigger. But here we are. Yeah, exactly. The apology window is closed. <laughs> well, and I mean, Frank and I both, I mean, I've been like, yeah, you know, it wasn't the biggest buck on the mountain, dude, but what a cool stock. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. Um, but when you get on there and say, well, you know, I know it's not a big bull that everybody wanted to see, but it was the last day of season. I understand that, but it also is, you know. Just say it was the last day of the season. You don't have to say anything about anything else. You know, it's the last day of the season. I filled my tag. Time to put me in the freezer. Damn right, I did. Yeah, yeah. And of course, this is coming from a guy that might be in history the world's worst trophy hunter. Um, I'm not great at trophy. I'm great to go on a trophy hunt if I don't have the weapon. <laughs> I've got great eyes. I'm I'm real good at packing stuff. Um, but man, I tell you, when the weapon's in my hand, once I see a decent buck, it's on like Donkey Kong. I just can't. I lander laughs. He's like. With the ability you have, and I'm like, Lander, it's a moot point in my brain. I'm just not that. I never was wired that way, never have been. Well, yeah, so. you go on a week-long hunt, and you think, oh, yeah, you know, you, you got all this time. It's like, well, there's a deer there, and it's hunting season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have today. It's pretty hard to sit there and be like, well, you know, we'll just get them tomorrow. It's like, well, I want to go hunting today. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, for sure. And, Frank, you're not a whole lot different on any i'm a horrible trophy hunter yeah well it sounds cheesy but it's kind of we're kind of out there for the adventure more than anything yeah especially on the backpack hunts i mean i guess the whitetail hunting something different but i don't know but hunting the shot like you were talking about for the for the uh, trad hunting i mean i think that's something that's super cool and just the experience of of doing it because that that deer that you killed um when I was with you with the trad bow i mean it wasn't it wasn't a monster by any means but it was the coolest freaking stock ever you shot it like five feet and that that over killing a, a monster deer, I wouldn't. I don't know. It was just it was a cool experience. Just watching it was cool. I doubt it was a hundred and forty inch buck probably, and uh, I wouldn't have chased that hundred forty inch buck. No shit for a two hundred inch typical because its velvet was five inches, ten inches from the bottom of my feet, and he got to watch it. It was that close, eh? Yeah, and I wouldn't change anything. And I, you know, I I know bullshit. 
going on a private ranch and shooting a 200 inch deer, I wouldn't do it. Um, cause that, I mean, also I lost my shoes. Like, well, careful. Cause soon somebody's going to be like, Hey man, there's a bunch of big deer and you want to come hunt my farm and you're I, like, damn it. I get, no, I get that every year anyway. I mean, truly. I don't, but if anyone's out there with a bunch of 200, wants to come hunt the farm. <laughs> well, I'm, I went, I'm your, I'm your guy. I went with the, uh, big ginger this year and, uh, with, uh, with Alex, he, he was laughing because, uh, Every time, um, trying to get these mic levels right, every deer I saw that was uh, four and a half, I'm like, I'll kill that one. He's like, ah, oh, it's not big enough. I'm like, no, no, it is big enough. And uh, we had, you know, we had one that I was like super. I'm like, dude, I'll kill, I'll kill the shit out of that deer. He he literally was laughing because uh, we stocked on a buck that was mid 190s. And uh, I was just as happy about the 190 buck as I was the 160 the day before he wouldn't let me shoot. I'm... And and I'm not saying that there's a right or a wrong by any means. I just if it gets me excited, I'll shoot it. And pretty much everything gets me excited. <laughs> um, and I I just uh, it's for me especially. You don't I don't think you're backpack hunting for most people. You're not backpack hunting to shoot the biggest animal. You're backpack hunting to get the biggest adventure and the biggest challenge. Yeah, and and just to hurt yourself. Yeah, which you generally know. happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, how many uh, how many times can you you know, how many, how many adventures in your life are you going to have, right? Or how many hunting trips or whatever. And for me, I don't remember that many easy trips. I remember the hard ones. Um, in the case of like with the one Frank and I were talking about, we were road hunting. We spotted that from the road, right? That wasn't a backpack hunt, but you know, I lost my shoes three, four, five times because I stalking on the wrong rock. I gone for three hours, pinned down with other deer and, and it, as luck would have it, at the end of this, I finally get to the right rock. I think it's the right rock. I look a thousand yards away and there's Frank and he stands up like a field goal, holds his hands up. And I'm like, holy shit, the deer is still here. This is amazing. And I'm looking, I see like four inches of velvet and I'm at like 18 yards. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to get closer with the wind. I got the stick bow. I get to like 13 and I'm throwing rocks and it won't stand up. And, and I'm in my socks and I'm like... I'm going to have to get on top of that rock. I wonder if this is going to, you know, is this, is this going to pan out, right? He's got photos of me throwing rocks right behind it. And then uh, next thing you know, I'm standing on the rock. It's bedded under. Literally, its horns are at the ground, and I'm right here. And I shoot it straight down, and I can hear him yelling, freaking out. Um, a thousand yards. And it, it was That's just, awesome. I wouldn't change that hunt for anything. That We had one day to do it, and it was with a recurve, and uh I had missed a deer three times in one sitting with Brian a couple days before, a few days before. And uh, to make that happen, the inches didn't matter to me, really. I mean, obviously, we were looking for a buck that, you know what I mean, was that kind of had a parameter. Mm -hmm. um, but when it, when that happened, I mean, you talk about I was standing on that rock like, I cannot fucking believe we pulled this off. <laughs> this is I, I stood on that rock for a couple minutes just to kind of... <laughs> get my shit together because i was so like whew, i can't believe it well it's cool too because you get you know you had the negative experience a couple days earlier lobbing a bunch of arrows at that other one from the sounds of it and you know the the moral of the story is there is no matter how bad things get it's going to make for a better story so when you're out there and you're just getting your ass kicked or they wind you or you miss or there's no other you know you can't find anything 
you know, just think about how much better that's going to make the story. That's my that's my mindset whenever. Well, you should pick up a rinker because it'll be like that all the time. <laughs> Man, I, I'm not picking up a damn rinker. It's like I got my mom one for uh, for Christmas, so she's she's shooting to like eight, nine, ten yards. You know, all of her arrows are now going into the block. Um, she doesn't hunt, but. I kind of think that she's just something. She's just there's this coyote that keeps eating her bird food, so it might be the the end of days. But yeah, I might end up having to start shooting it because she's doing it, and then who knows? But I I think if I'm gonna do anything with the recurve, it'd be a moose. I don't think I'd do anything else. Yeah, it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Frank, you might be excited because that's definitely gonna up your chances of. I've said this about ten times in the last four days, but uh, the analogy of the um, you're at the bar. You got the hard up guy and you got the normal guy and the normal guy, the hard up guy tells the normal guy, you know, whatever you take the hot blonde one, I'll just take whatever I can get. That's kind of how it is with the recurve. So Frank's going to murk everything. I'll just murk what I can. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Frank, you go after that 200 inch deer. I'm going to shoot this four point that I can actually kill. But yeah, it's, it's fun though. It's, I mean, it's good. I like it. I like, I'm a very goalie and it's kind of challenging, challenged guy. So it is a challenge with the recurve and I just, I like it more. I mean, it's funner. So it is cool. But what, what hunts do you guys have planned this year? Oh, I got a, uh, hopefully to chase some caribou around, um, up North. And then my buddy Dan Indenbosch and his brother and friend were planning a big wild sheep fiasco. In northern Alberta, and then uh, Alberta elk with sweet Logan. Um, hopefully, go down to New Mexico. Uh, I got a buddy Corey Elledge down there. He's got um, some landowner tags. Our fault. We're gonna obviously gonna draw the Gila. This is our year. But uh, just in case we don't, we might have other other plans down there. Not always. We photograph it. Uh, a lot of stuff we film. You know, I I think you know we we used to film more, but it makes it way less fun you know, the pressure and, you know, if you're going to film, there's a financial thing there that needs to be met and, and then you have to sell it and then you owe somebody something and it's tough to to hunt when that's the case. So, um, so hunting season is kind of your, your off season for, for you time. You know, it is like we, we shoot a lot of imagery and I can shoot photos and hunt and have almost the exact same amount of fun Mm -hmm. as the thing is, is like, if you watch a 15 minute film and at the end it's like, well, we had fun and you know, there isn't an encounter at least (laughs) it's not as exciting for people. So it puts a lot of pressure on to have that encounter. So kind of the way that we do it now is we capture stuff along the way. Um, if there's something that we're really confident in, it's going to be an adventure. Nonetheless, we'll film it and then we can tell a story depending on what happens, you know? Um, but we, you know, we, it's not most of the things that I list as far as my goals for the fall generally don't happen because of my professional obligations. But, uh, those are the, those are the main ones. And then Kansas whitetails too. That's always a, a good time when the lads are down there knocking over the giants and I'm up in a tree <laughs> waiting for something old enough to die. Oh, uh, that's funny. You guys got a four and a half year old parameter. On I, that yeah, farm. I, I try and do that when I'm down there. My theory is, you know, big deer are old deer. And if I shoot only old deer, even if they're small, that time that eventually a giant walks by me, I won't feel bad. I think there's a, there's a level of non-resident guilt that people either do or should feel when you roll into town for a couple of weeks or a week and, and, you know, shoot a, an absolutely exceptional animal. People feel bad about it. My plan is I have an zero 
in like a zero inch requirement. If it's a four and a half year old or bigger deer or older deer, I'm going to shoot it if it's 80 inches. You know, I was at full draw on one this year that was literally less than that. It had one antler and, you know, this little nub, but it was old because the year that, you know, that 180 comes by that's that old and I shoot it, I will know in my heart of hearts that I would have shot it no matter how big it was. And then I will feel hopefully less non-resident guilt if that ever happens, which probably won't. But that's my plan because you see it happen to people where they're like, oh, it's the dream. You know, you shoot a giant and then you go and you shoot the giant and you sort of realize like, oh, wow, how lucky did I get? I don't so. think Frank and I experienced non-resident guilt because so many people. Do you guys experience guilt? Pl- <laughs> <laughs> no, no, actually I don't. Um, the, uh, you're learning us well, Aaron. Actually, yeah. um, No, I just, there's so many people come to Colorado to hunt. Um, not in a negative way. It's just. I mean, everybody comes here to it, hunt. It's different with public land, I think. Um, you know, when we're down there, we're relying on hospitality of people or, or a lease and or that's, something. That's what I say. We're very respectful when we go. Well, when I say we go, we're, we're only, like with Brian Broderick, where we're going in Alabama. We do what he says. He wants us to shoot does. We shoot does. Like he wants us to shoot a four and a half or older. He's giving me the green light to pretty much shoot anything with a recurve that turns my crank. Dangerous play. Dangerous Brian play. Broderick. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but he, uh, it, Brian's awesome, but yeah, no, we're, but as far as, yeah, public land, I don't get too Twitter pated on that. I mean, it's hard enough on public land alone, especially for whitetails. I think whitetail public land is a bit more difficult than, than elk public land. Cause there's just so many elk. Yeah. And the, well, speak for yourselves. There's more elk killed in the state of Wyoming every year than live in Alberta. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, people yeah. are, yeah, you Colorado bastards with your 400 elk, <laughs> 400,000 herd. Yeah. It's at least that. Um, yeah. I'm so not the, sure it was last time. But. but I mean, you know, I, I, I guess I should rephrase that. The, the whole non resident guilt idea is absolutely limited to, you know, whenever you're you're on the receiving somebody's hospitality. Yeah. You know, Matt and Matt, my business partner, Matt White, and his brothers are amazing to us. You know, we have a property as a company that we get to hunt, you know, that they put all the work into because they live there. I don't want to, you know, you, you can't help but feel bad if, if, you know, a giant pops out that's on, that's in a position that they really were responsible for putting us in to succeed. And Frank and I are great because we show up and say, do you have any coal bucks? Because we'll just shoot yeah, shit out we'll of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, well, man, I, I know you got to go pretty soon. I'm sure we could talk all day, but I, I appreciate uh, you coming on and, and working with Kafaro as well. You guys are, are great. Where can um, kind of people find what you guys are doing or take a look at it? Yeah, our, our website, rockhousemotion.com. That's rock like a stone, house like a home. and uh, <laughs> Motion, what you do in a bed. <laughs> <laughs> that would be emotion for some of us. Uh, probably not for Aaron. But yeah, or uh, at Rockhouse Motion on Instagram, Rockhouse Motion on Vimeo, and then personally I'm at Aaron Hitchens on Instagram, and the rest of our team is Matt White Rockhouse, Dustin Rockhouse, Colin Photo Rockhouse, and William doesn't need the internet because he's surfing all the time. And, and then don't Logan, forget about Logan. Yeah, Logan, Logan is Logan Ray Ross, or more importantly, at Logan's Feelings, which is uh, an account dedicated to her emotions. Oh, good Lord. I didn't know that. Oh, dude, it's going to change the way you use the internet. <laughs> Probably my best creative work. And Yeah, I mean, we. I wanted to say on, on our behalf, we've been using Kafara products for a couple of years now. And uh, there are very few things that I, I recommend as highly, you know, the work that these guys do 
on the development side is something you can appreciate in the field. And it's nice to know when you're in a position, especially up, you know, at home in Canada, when you're in the backcountry, if something fails, it's truly dangerous. And uh, it's always nice to know that the gear that you have is tougher than you are. And Kafar shit is way tougher than I am. So uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, no problem, man. We'll have a safe trip back north and definitely tell uh, Logan I said hello. I missed her at the show. So I, she said she's going to kick my ass. So yeah, tell her I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> she used to wrestle in high school, man. So watch out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. All right, man. Sounds good. Take it easy. Perfect. Appreciate it.